Welcome to the Investing Evolution Podcast with Vince Esposito and Rob Isbitz from SunGarden Investment Research. We are an investment firm that takes an alternative approach to the most common investor objectives, preservation, income, and long-term growth. We focus on bottom line outcomes, not what everyone else is doing. In this podcast, we clarify confusing investor issues, bust investment myths, and discuss how to invest in any investment climate. Our number one goal is to help you think about investing in a different way, a more straightforward way, without all the fluff and sales tactics of the Wall Street culture. Listen in as we share stories and insights on how to offer a truly unique approach to investing. Now, on to the show. Hello and welcome to the inaugural podcast with Rob Isbitz, the Chief Investment Strategist for SunGarden Investment Research. Now, this is our opportunity to have a chance to get to know Rob a little bit better, what makes him tick and what makes what he does at SunGarden truly unique and different. So, Rob, welcome to the show. Hey, thanks. Great to be here, Matt. Now, Rob, you've been in the industry for a while. Let's talk about your journey a little bit. Tell us about your history and being in the financial services industry. Sure. Uh, I guess I'm 32 years in the industry now. Started in 1986, but the story really starts when I was 16 years old. I grew up in northern New Jersey. Uh, My dad, who I was very close with, taught me to chart stocks. Uh, He never did it professionally. Uh, We were a very middle-class family upbringing, but he did uh, instill in me, I think, some of the basic tools of managing money. And uh, from there, went to college at SUNY Albany, uh, discovered I was a bit of a math guy. And uh, I spent my summers in lower Manhattan, uh, not far from where I grew up, uh, with summer jobs in offices, uh, desk jobs, uh, things like that. And whether it was passing by the, uh, in the old World Trade Center uh, and seeing uh, the Schwab ticker tape back then, it was the 1980s, uh, or uh, just being in Lower Manhattan, uh, it was it was thrilling. It was motivating. And uh, when I got out of college, I decided I wanted to be in the investment industry, try to help people in a way they either couldn't or uh, preferred not to do it themselves. And it was a school of hard knocks approach. Uh, I was actually in operations and uh, investment systems for the first seven years of my career. Uh, then got a break and went with it and ultimately made my way down to uh, South Florida uh, with my wife and one child at the time and added two more later and uh, been down here about 21 years uh, and built my career from there. What do you do exactly? So let's talk about what your specialty is and what you bring to the table with all of that experience all the way back to the age of 16. Sure. Well, I'll back end load it a little bit. Uh, because it's been, as we say at SunGarden, an investing evolution. Uh, that's that's for uh, Vince and for me and for everybody here. Personally, uh, I really am on a mission to replace what bond portfolios and bond funds used to do for investors. So uh, my number one job, and granted, we invest for, for uh, growth as well, but primarily uh, I'm focused on trying to play the role as a portfolio manager that bonds used to play uh, for uh, for investors uh, because uh, we are pretty much coming out of a bond uh, bear market, I should say bond bull market, that uh, lasted a very long time. Uh, 
And I believe that's going to be the area of greatest need, especially for the uh, higher net worth investor and the financial advisor that services them. And so uh, at SunGarden, you know, I, I do have some investors I've worked with for uh, a long time. And that's how we uh, we started this firm uh, seven years ago with some long term relationships and uh, people access what I do uh, either that way or indirectly through uh, some of the pooled uh, funds that we manage. Who is your ideal client? So when we break down who you want to work with, if you could just wave a magic wand and say, gosh, those are the greatest clients I could possibly have. What do they look like? Yeah, I'm, I'm really a fan of the idea that advisors slash portfolio managers and their clients, they need to be, to use one of many sports terms that I tend to use, they need to be teammates, not opponents. And so it starts with, I think we're, we're pretty upfront about what we do, uh, what we don't do. And really, we're looking for what that people really get what we do. You know, they understand why it's relevant to their situation, uh, typically because they're either uh, retired or they're thinking about retirement or they're sitting on a large uh, nest egg and they want to make sure that they maintain it and, yes, grow it, but uh, maintaining it and earning income off of it and, and over time uh, growing it. And uh, so I think if, if somebody can say that about themselves, then I, I think they're a pretty good fit for us. Now, you are a prolific writer. Our audience might not know that. And you have been a, a featured writer all over the financial services industry. What is the best way for people or uh, the, the question should be, what are the ways you acquire clients? Do you, are you acquiring clients through the writing, through referrals? What is the best way for you to bring people on? Well, these days, uh, I, I guess I would say I'm a little bit more behind the scenes. Uh, I sometimes describe what I do in terms of our marketing role as uh, the air attack, if you will. Uh, I write for uh, Forbes uh, anywhere from probably uh, five to seven times a month. Uh, I'm uh, a top contributor there. Uh, I uh, previously wrote for MarketWatch. Uh, I've written a couple of books. Uh, actually have uh, started a column uh, just this month, actually, in uh, something called thestreet.com. So uh, people will find me uh, that way. And uh, then it's really just a, a process from there, which is primarily run uh, by my partner, uh, Vince Esposito, and uh, other folks at, uh, at, at SunGarden in trying to cultivate those who have an initial bit of interest in what we do, but want to learn uh, more about it. And it's funny, you were talking, Matt, about the writing. Uh, the numbers are actually uh, a, little, a little staggering to me. Uh, when I added it all up, I've spent over 100,000 hours in this business. Hmm. And during that time, and I know this because this past summer, we wanted to collect uh, all the writing together, uh, the two books I've written, the uh, 500 uh, plus articles. Uh, I really started writing in earnest back in 1998, uh, shortly after I moved to Florida and was uh, was managing money down here. So in the last 20 years, uh, we've come up with, I don't know how many thousands of pages of written material. And, and so uh, distilling that is kind of a current uh, project. Uh, but what I find ironically is that the same ideas and the same concepts seem to come up over and over again. It's like they say about investing, 
market cycles and uh, investment trends, they don't mimic each other exactly the way they used to be, but they do rhyme. Hmm. You use the word learn as you were talking about writing for Forbes and Market Watch and, and the street. Education is very important to you, educating your clients on, on really what makes you unique and different and the process. Talk a little bit more about your your writing approach, because when I've read it in the past, it does seem wildly educational and informative. Is that by design? Yeah, it is. And and thank you for saying that. I guess, uh, you know, I have a, a bit of a, a college professor in me, uh, although I haven't had that role before, uh, maybe one day. But I really do think that there's at least a segment of the investment population that wants to be educated. That doesn't mean they want to learn how to do what I do professionally, but they want to understand it enough so that they can protect themselves from their worst instincts. And again, with over 100,000 hours of doing this, uh, I haven't seen everything, but I've seen a lot. And maybe that's uh, what I try to get through in the writing. I'm, I'm really kind of a combination of educator, myth buster, and just allowing the reader to look at it from maybe common investment concepts from uh, a different angle. Maybe there's something that isn't so obvious. And, and of course, you know, 20 years ago when I started writing, uh, there was an internet but it didn't go much beyond uh, you know, America Online or AOL as we know it now. And in the investment business, you know, things like exchange-traded funds uh, were, were in their infancy. There were a few of them. Now there's thousands of them. And so this evolution over the last 20 years of the way the investor communicates with their financial advisor and their investment manager – which is primarily the role I play here, that has changed. That 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 triangle or triumvirate, if you will, really has changed. And so I try to stay on top of that. And really, I mean, it starts with the people that we know, the people that do business with us directly. And uh, at any one time, I probably have 30 or 40 ideas to uh, to put down uh, for an article uh, for Forbes.com or, or somewhere else. And ultimately, I'll distill it down once or twice a week to what I think kind of bottom line is what people want to know right now. And it's usually because they've just heard about something, but they they know there's more to it. And so if they have some intellectual curiosity, that tends to to go a long way. You know, if they're introspective about their wealth, uh, if they know that investing isn't a game it's not a sales pitch. It's not a cliche, you know, 60-40, modern portfolio theory, indexing, risk tolerance. You know, these are all common terms that a lot of uh, investors who who maybe have worked with a financial advisor or brokerage firm uh, or just tried to do it on their own, done a lot of online research. If you've been an investor, quote unquote, for a while, you know those terms, but there's a lot more to them. And frankly, there's a lot less to them also because there is so much fluff and salesmanship in our industry. And frankly, uh, I, I think that's uh, that that may be the number one reason why uh, Vince and I wanted to uh, hit the airwaves, so to speak, uh, through a podcast, because you can only get so far 
in reading something. And uh, hopefully on this podcast series that we're starting, that is what the uh, the listener, the investor, the investment advisor, depending on who it is, uh, hopefully that's what they'll get out of it. Now, you just uh, made reference to Vince, and we had Vince on the podcast. He talked about the team that he has. But would you mind talking about your take on what Vince does and then the, the team that you have in, in Florida with you? Sure. Uh, I'll quote a famous movie line. Uh, he completes me, and I complete him. And you know, it takes a combination, and you know this well from your own uh, history with us, that the two primary functions at any professional investment firm, if it's if it's going to really do more than just kind of exist, and, and I think a lot of financial advisory practices today, they, they tend to exist for a while. Uh, and then a bear market comes along and then everything changes and they have to scramble. So the way to create something that is sustainable is you you need to start by really, at least internally, separating the functions. Uh, somebody that makes sure that everything that is part of the client experience is first rate and uh, coordinated with the team. And there is you know, a leadership component to that. And that's what Vince does. Uh, I, I obviously am part of that, you know, having started the firm seven years ago with, uh, with my wife uh, out of the spare room in our house. But we, in, in, in the case of my role here, it is uh, has become over the years much more focused on developing investment strategy, evolving the investment strategy, i.e. the investing evolution, uh, and keeping up with not just what markets are doing, because, I mean, that's prima facie, right? Anybody can, can see what the markets are, are doing, at least at the headline level. But what's really going on both in the way that investing is evolving and how does one respond to that? And again, I go back to the really the, the primary mission of SunGarden. And that was my recognition seven years ago that we really, the, the industry and investors really did not see this freight train coming that that is a bond bear market. And that what that means in, in English is that Bond returns were pretty strong for a long time. Interest rates fell. They will ultimately rise again, but it doesn't matter how fast and how much they they do. Uh, It's kind of like in football when uh, they say if you pass and there's there's three things that can happen and two of them are bad, right? You you can uh, can complete the pass or you can have an incomplete pass or it can be uh, an interception and go the other way. So two out of three are bad. I know it's kind of a conservative uh, football coach mentality, but I'm a conservative investor at the heart. A lot of that comes from my dad, uh, again, taught me to chart stocks when I was 16. He grew up in the uh, in a place called Washington Heights, uh, Manhattan, uh, across the river from Yankee Stadium. And uh, he grew up during the Depression. And uh, those bloodlines, you know, run pretty strong. And uh, so... You know, I think when you bring it all together, my role is first as a risk manager for the clients, secondly, as uh, an income producer, third, as a return generator over a longer period of time. 
And you know, I try to uh, stay in my lane as much as uh, I can and uh, you know, let the other folks at the firm be kind of on the front lines of uh, client communication. But with that said, uh, you know, I do have uh, you know, a decent number of investor relationships that, uh, that, that I've carried for 15, 20 plus years. Uh, and, uh, you know, I plan to, uh, to be involved uh, to the extent that any client of our firm needs or wants me to be involved. I'm never too far away. I'm just working on investment work all day. Hmm. What do you do outside of work? Tell me a little bit about what you guys do in the community. Sure, sure. Uh, well, you know, we, uh, my wife and I have, uh, we have uh, three kids and, and, you know, we've tried to involve them uh, in a lot of things also uh, charitably. Uh, I've been on the board of the Daniel Cantor Senior Center in uh, Sunrise, Florida for, I don't know how many years, 15, 16 years. Um, and, uh, you know, when it comes to keeping a charitable entity going and growing, uh, raising money for kids, frankly, is a little easier at the margin and and, and kind of uh, portraying the importance of an organization. Easier with kids than it is with seniors. It just seems to be that way in my couple of decades being involved in it. We've been involved in kids' charities too, but you know, particularly for those who were part of the greatest generation and uh, are in their later years and maybe don't have the the, the income uh, that the one uh, percenters or even the ten or twenty percenters do uh, to be able to have uh, day programs for them. Very strong Alzheimer's uh, unit, one of the biggest in the uh, state of Florida, and and, and uh, so you know we're we're uh, we're pretty involved in that. Uh, our our temple uh, has been a source of great uh, pride uh, and joy uh, right in our town. And that's really it on the uh, on the charitable side. Uh, you know, we've we have been uh, donors to many charities. We actually did start something called the Sun Garden Charitable Fund, and I started that about seven years ago. And uh, we do make uh, donations uh, from uh, you know, each each year set amounts uh, to a few different charities, and so uh, it is it is part and parcel with. Uh, with who we are, because uh, you know, I wake up every day, and, and uh, I can't believe my my fortune, uh, good fortune, to uh, be able to do what I love doing uh, for people I enjoy doing it with. Let's talk about education and philosophy. We're going to merge these together. Since you have contributed to the logos or the greater knowledge of financial services. Let's talk a little bit about your your education throughout the years, and then let's talk about your financial philosophy. Sure. Well, as I mentioned, uh, State University of New York at Albany or SUNY was where I uh, started and kind of learned the very basics of business. I uh, I took uh, an MBA uh, at night at uh, Rutgers University in my home state of New Jersey while I was living up there in uh, Newark. Uh, those were the days uh, commuting to Manhattan uh, when I was working uh, for a couple of investment firms there in the earlier part of my career and also doing that and also playing ice hockey at night. I don't live in New York anymore. Uh, I, I, uh, uh, I go to school every day on the markets and I don't play ice hockey anymore because uh, I'm way past my prime 
uh, when it when it comes to uh, physical sports. <laughs> so uh, it moved moved on other things, and and instead, I've really become I guess what you call a serial learner. Uh, my wife likes to say that she doesn't really know where the work ends and the hobby begins because whether it's sources like the Bloomberg machine that I carry around with me on my phone and on my tablet and and in the office, uh, or just always having my ears and eyes open to anything that might affect our clients' financial lives. Uh, Because really, I mean, learning is, is lifelong. You know, this whole idea of adult education, lifelong learning. I guess I kind of scoffed at it 20 years ago when I was a kid. And uh, now it's one of the most important things to me, particularly when it comes to this, this industry, uh, both from a practice management standpoint and especially from an investment standpoint, uh, because again, the markets are, uh, are evolving and uh, I am the thought leader here. I like to think of myself as a thought leader in the industry, especially when it comes to things like uh, protection of capital, uh, generating income in, uh, in, in ways that uh, were not needed maybe 10, 15 years ago, but now are essential because of the demise of, uh, of bond investing. And uh, so I think that is really all a, uh, all a part of it. Now we're going to switch gears and get to know you as a human being a little bit more. So when you're not working, uh, what do you do for fun since you're not <laughs> playing hockey anymore? And I know you were really super involved uh, with sports with your kids, but uh, you're like a full-blown empty nester now, aren't you? We're close. We're close. Uh, we have three children. Uh, one uh, is uh, our oldest is uh, uh, now uh, out of the house, engaged, living uh, up in New England. Uh, and uh, the the middle one, uh, my son, is uh, in college. He's a sophomore, and uh, he's halfway across the country uh, uh, and and doing just fine uh, at business school. And uh, has interned here a couple of summers, so you never know. And the uh, we have a real uh, superstar, sixteen uh, year old. At least we like to think so. Uh, she is uh, currently a junior in high school. <laughs> and uh, getting ready for the college hunt and uh, probably more than any of us has been involved in so many things uh, uh, philanthropically, uh, summer programs, things like that. So, uh, you know, what else do we do? I mean, you know, I was a baseball coach, uh, a little league and a little bit of travel ball for uh, the time when my son was playing. He played through high school and uh, I, I guess I did brainwash my kids on baseball uh, because it's a sport that I always loved. Uh, I think it's a connection, and, and I know uh, you know these days uh, the NBA and the NFL have probably uh, rivaled uh, baseball as the national pastime. But uh, to me, uh, maybe it's a little bit of an acquired taste. But I acquired it at a very young age thanks to uh, my dad, and have uh, have passed it on to uh, to my kids. I've been a season ticket holder for the Miami Marlins for 21 years, pretty much since we lived here. As I like to say, yes, I'm the one. I'm I'm the season ticket holder uh, because uh, they, they tend to rank last in attendance in the league, but doesn't deter me. Uh, I'm a contrarian investor. I don't mind being a contrarian baseball fan. And uh, I even do a little bit of blogging uh, about baseball and the Marlins uh, from time to time when uh, when when uh, when I can get a little bit of extra time in. 
you know, I, uh, I, I like being, uh, around, uh, horses, uh, the racetrack, uh, not really for the gambling element of it. Uh, I just like the cadence it's outdoors and in South Florida, you can be outdoors 12 months a year. Uh, so, uh, that, that, uh, for reasons, I guess maybe I can't put my finger on, uh, that is, a kind of a, a place of, uh, uh, solace from time to time. And uh, we like to uh, go to the movies. Uh, we like the beach. How can you not when you live uh, down here, maybe a half hour from the beach in the Fort Lauderdale area? Concerts. We're big, big fans of Train, uh, the band that uh, made their name in San Francisco and got really uh, popular uh, probably in the last 10 years. I guess you call us Trainiacs. We've actually been on a couple of cruises uh, with, uh, with those folks. And anything we can do with the kids, you know, obviously being two thirds of the way to being uh, empty nesters, whenever we can get time with them uh, and do things together, that's what we do. We've uh, actually done uh, uh, some charity work for a um, uh, uh, for a food pantry uh, down here. Uh, uh, So we'll we'll do that type of thing or really just. Hanging around, uh, hanging out around the house, and, and uh, you know, I'm sure uh, anyone uh, who has uh, kids in that kind of mid-teens to 20s age range knows that uh, they don't mind spending time around the house when they've been away from it for a while. So we're, we're, we're glad that we can offer that for them, too. When you think about the word hero, who is your hero? Hmm. Well... I think there's a few answers to that. Uh, I'm going to start with the the more traditional answers. Uh, I mentioned my dad a couple of times. Uh, he is uh, was anyway passed away about five years ago. Uh, he uh, was my hero just because of the way he he lived his life. Uh, I still uh, have uh, a note in my office framed uh, from him that I'm looking at right now. It's when he uh, when we first started Sun Garden uh, seven years ago, and he sent his uh, account paperwork in. Sent me a little note with his catchphrase: "Rob, go get him, love dad." And uh, that's that's what I like to look at. He he, he taught me a lot of the discipline. Uh, a lot of the humility, the patience uh, that I think define me not just as an investor and as a uh, business uh, owner, but also uh, as as a husband, father, and a man about town. My wife is clearly one of my heroes because I can't believe the things that she gets done. And 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 in the same way as uh, I mentioned, my business partner Vince, uh, you know, we we really do complete each other. And, and we've been a terrific team. You know, uh, I, I think maybe the uh, one of our accomplishments outside of uh, uh, the family and community and such is starting this business uh, seven years ago. And by the way, Matt, I don't know if you know this or if you remember the name Sun Garden. Do you remember how that came about? I don't remember that. That was a while ago there, Rob. Yeah. So, so sun is for the sunshine state where we've lived for 21 years and garden is the garden state, New Jersey, where I lived for the first, uh, 30 some odd years of my life. So that, that's, uh, that's how we got sun garden before I, I conclude with, with my heroes, just very quickly, all of my kids have done something heroic. The one that stands out for me with uh, with my son is the night that my father passed away. 
about five years ago, I was with him and my younger daughter. And they, you know, they were pretty young back then. I think he was, I guess he would have been uh, 15. And we were on our way up from uh, Miami. And uh, I got the call that my dad, uh, basically what the EMS guy said without saying it is, you know, don't, don't rush here. Uh, there's nothing you can do. And, and you know, he's gone. Uh, that was hard enough to hear. But uh, I asked my son, who was with me, I said, do you want me to drop you off at, uh, uh, at my in-laws, who were kind of on the way? And he said, no, no, shook his head, no, no, I want to be there, because he had a great relationship with my dad, too. And he stayed with me that night, and he stayed uh, uh, with me uh, uh, the next uh, day at my mom's as we uh, took care of, uh, of things and, and started to make the arrangements. And, you know, that 36, 48-hour period, uh, he, was, he was quite a hero to me. And, and as I've told him, I've, I've never forgotten that. Uh, outside of the family, too, I would mention quickly, I, I love everything that, uh, well, maybe not everything, but, but to me, Ben Franklin is a real hero of mine because he was innovative. He was not afraid to stand up to uh, tradition. Uh, when people told him it couldn't be done, he said, uh, well, let's see about that. And so he definitely is on my hero list. And the last is a fellow named A.W. Uh, Jones, who actually created the first hedge fund, long, short investment fund in the 1940s. And since I run a hedged style, throughout a lot of what we do, especially on the income side, replacing bonds. To me, in the same way that you know Jackie Robinson and others were pioneers in their sports, I think in the business of managing money with a hedged approach, A.W. Jones was, uh, was the pioneer. If you had all of the money in the world you ever needed, what would you do differently? Well, of course, my inclination is to think of an economic answer and tell you why you know that, that wouldn't be possible. <laughs> uh, but I think that I would be doing pretty much what I'm doing now. I mean, I love, I, I love what I do. I, I think that perhaps I'd be able to innovate uh, even more. And you know, I think uh, I probably would just uh, maybe consolidate my time a, a little bit more. Uh, but uh, all the things that I've touched on in this conversation – uh, whether it's the the sort of indirect uh, following of the sports and the time with the family and the uh, charitable and and uh, right up at the the, the front, you know, spending time uh, on this business, making a difference for people through practicing my craft and doing it with a group of people that I truly enjoy and feel like family with uh, my wife, who is part of the firm, uh, of course, and and his family and Vincent and everybody else at Sun Garden. uh, I I feel like one of the things I'm most proud of is is the hard work, the persistence, the, the innovation that started and built Sun Garden. But really, Matt, seven years into this version of my uh, career and let's say 100,000 hours or so into, into uh, my Wall Street career, I feel like we're just beginning. Hmm. What is your idea of success? You, you've uh, uh, done so much already. When you look at that word, how do you define it? I think I would tell you that you know, if your time is your own, and this kind of relates to maybe filling the gaps of, of, of the previous question you asked, your time is your own. You spend it doing what you enjoy and what you find fulfilling. That really, to me, is my idea of success. And I would say that 
I think at this point, uh, I'm doing all those things. Would I shift the mix around a little bit? Yeah, perhaps I would. But I'm at least touching on most of the the things that uh, uh, that that I do to uh, to define success. What is and, one- and look, you know, oh, there ultimately, I mean, one of the things that we all have to have to do is figure out what we can control and what we can't, and and focus on the things that we can control. And at this phase of my career, you know, with only uh, thirty or forty years left in it. I, I, I think I'm. I think I've got that uh, uh, that balance pretty dialed in. What is the one thing that you recommend most to clients? So this can be music, it can be food, it can be a book, it can be a saying. What is your go-to? Yeah, well, you know, I, I think continuing on this idea of of controlling what you can control, having perspective about your true investment objectives, and. I don't mean just brushing over them. You know, at the end of the day, every investor wants some combination of these three things, preservation, income, and growth. And in our case, we focus on growth over a multi-year period. But I think, you know, people have to be careful not to be impatient and not to forget what it was that brought them to the table with us or any other investment firm and really in, in other parts of life. You know, re- remember what your initial idea was and what the concept was and and remember that uh, there is a plan and, 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 and sticking to the plan works out a lot more often than, uh, you know, than it doesn't. What is one thing that people don't know about you that you would be willing to share? Well, I've tried to fill you in on some of the things here, but uh, here's, here's one out of left field, pardon the baseball pun. So uh, I mentioned my father one last time. He uh, was from New York. We went to school at University of Cincinnati. And his roommate in his senior year, in this fellow's freshman year, was a guy named Sandy Koufax. And Sandy, he, my dad was part of a group that recruited him because he was also a, uh, a New York kid. And it was actually out there on a basketball scholarship and ended up being drafted by the Dodgers and the rest is history. But uh, people are always kind of surprised when uh, when when they uh, when they hear about that, that, I guess. And uh, Dana and me being Trainiac, you know, big fans of the band Train. Uh, those are probably the first two that come to mind. What is your mantra? So I think you might have just said that with the one thing that you recommend most to clients. But remind everybody, like when when things aren't going great. Most people who have achieved your level of success, Rob, have a hard reset button. Maybe it's a phrase or a term or a song or something that they listen to. What is that mantra or motto that helps you stay focused and on track? Sure. Yeah, I, I think it, 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 it uh, bears repeating. There are things you can control and things that you can't. Focus on the ones that you can control. And in investing, that I think is more important than ever because investing is such an emotional exercise and uh, you know it can it can really beat you up as an investor if you don't strike that balance no one's going to have a perfect record you try to stay within boundaries what we talk about all the time here is every decision that that I make as an investor and that we make as a as a team of investors is about one thing balancing the reward potential for that investment and the risk of significant loss. And I do find that sometimes investors, 
they tempt themselves to be their own worst enemy if they confuse small losses with devastating losses. And again, my career starting in 1986, I've seen the 1987 crash. I've seen the 1990 recession. I've seen the dot-com bubble and bust. I've seen the financial crisis, housing crisis build up and bust. And uh, you know, here we are again. And I think you know, part of the reason that we are finding other ways to get the word out about how we think, our philosophy, and what is unique about uh, Sun Garden, uh, and and the way of thinking that I guess I, I you know, pioneered some years ago here. It it is that if you've experienced so many different environments, you have perspective that is difficult to have if you haven't been directly involved in it. And look, a lot of the people that come our way, they haven't really been investors before. Maybe they ran a business and they sold the business, or uh, maybe they're a financial advisor that has only invested in uh, index funds. And uh, they've ridden the bull market in stocks and bonds all the way to the hilt. But at some point, uh, Mr. and uh, Ms. Market take their feet off the gas and they put on the brake. And if you don't have a strategy for that, uh, then you're, you're going to be lost. And, and that's why a balanced approach, perspective about your objectives, that's almost a rhyme, right? And controlling what you can control and uh, you know, making it a, a uh, incremental exercise and not a, I've got to have it all now. Can't you, as they say in baseball, I'll see one last baseball analogy. You know, you can't hit an eight-run home run. Hmm. That's true. <laughs> I'm sorry, I was trying to do the math there a little bit. I was like, "Wow, that's a uh, yes." You, you, uh, that okay? Yep. Final question. Two, Final two grand question. slams in a row doesn't. Uh, yeah, that's not that's, the same thing. that's not the same thing. Uh, last question is: What's your proudest achievement? Well, I I really think that. The I think I mentioned this earlier, the 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 innovation that started Sun Garden and the hard work, the the persistence that it took to really kind of get out of the blocks. I've been a uh, partner of a firm before I'd worked uh, as the chief investment officer uh, for uh, a very large investment firm for a little while. And I had that kind of school of hard knocks approach going, you know, all the way back to my days in New York City before I was on the investment side of the investment business. And uh, I think if you just look at that in total, you know, 100,000 plus hours of, of, of doing this and learning and, uh, and, and, and growing and really trying to bestow as much of that as I can onto uh, those who are uh, willing to look a little outside the box and uh, and understand the the value that uh, that we deliver through the investment strategies that I created and now nurture with uh, with the team here. You put it all together, and and it's uh, one one big proudest achievement. And you know, like I said, uh, we're 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 still in our infancy as far as we're concerned. Uh, yet we're a very experienced team uh, with uh, a very strong uh, leadership. Uh, we like to think and. Uh, uh, starting to uh, expand our uh, tentacles, if you will, uh, to uh, financial advisors and uh, high net worth investors. Finally, who should listen to this podcast? So we, we've got we've got a, a, a good chunk of people who are going to listen to this. How if they want to share this with somebody, who would be a good person to have them share the podcast with? 
I would say number one is they are naturally curious. Number two is they're very introspective about their wealth. They don't just take it as a given what they hear on television, what their friends say, or what they see in a banner ad on the internet. They need to really understand that investing is not a game. It's not a sales pitch. It's not a cliche. And it's not just a bunch of buzzwords. Uh, and, and I think if they have just enough of that concern that maybe things aren't as you know, easy or as slick as uh, a lot of the industry may try to make it, and it's also you know, not as simple as, let's say, your typical index fund provider might make it. Uh, and, and again, whether it's a, an investor or a financial advisor thinking about their their practice uh, and and trying to blend in something that is uh, unique and different, but is very much a meat and potatoes investment approach. Not you know what we do is not very complex. Our, our number one uh, goal is is avoiding the big loss, uh, ABL as we call it. We're trying to preserve and generate income when required uh, now, and you know over a multi year period trying to. Trying to grow it, and uh, so I, I I think you you bring that together, and 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 that's our mission. And uh, you know we we do believe that we've been an under the radar uh, story in our industry for a long time, despite the Forbes profile and you know some of the other uh, accolades we've had. I, I still think we're a bit under the radar, and a lot of that has to do with a long bull market, uh, nine plus years in stocks, thirty five plus years in bonds. And uh, as those each draw to a close, uh, the investment world is going to be different and the old rules are not going to work anymore. And, and uh, I think anybody who is uh, the least bit curious about that uh, would get a lot out of this podcast series. And I'm just thrilled that uh, you and Vince and I are going to team up to do it. It's going to be so much fun. And Rob, thank you very much for uh, letting people get to know you a little bit better today. Thanks a lot, Matt. Enjoyed it. So for everybody at SunGarden, this is Matt Halloran. And if you have not subscribed to the podcast yet, make sure you click that subscribe now button below. And after you've heard these first couple of podcasts, if you know somebody just like Rob was talking about who should listen to the podcast, just click that share and send it over to friends and family or professionals that you know who are in the financial services industry. And with all that said, we'll see you on the other side of the mic very soon. Thank you for listening to the Investing Evolution podcast. Click the subscribe button below to be notified when new episodes become available. Vince Esposito and Rob Isbitz are investment advisor representatives with Dynamic Wealth Advisors, DBA SunGarden Investment Research. All investment advisory services are offered through Dynamic Wealth Advisors. The material in this podcast has been distributed for informational purposes only. The material contained in this podcast is not a solicitation to purchase or sell any security or offer any investment advice. No part of this podcast may be reproduced in any form or referred to in any other publication without expressed written permission. Investing involves risk, including possible loss of principal. Vince Esposito and Rob Isbitz are also the sub-advisors of the Dunham Alternative Dividend Fund. Investors should consider the investment objectives, risk factors, charges, and expenses of the Dunham Alternative Dividend Fund carefully before investing. This and other important information is contained within the fund's prospectus, which may be obtained by contacting your financial advisor or by calling toll-free 800-442-4358. Please read prospectus materials carefully before investing.